After 16 short weeks, Major League Soccer is back. Tomorrow, the league's 25th campaign kicks off with two new teams and plenty of new players and storylines to dissect. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and on today's Footy Talks podcast, we will give you a Canadian-focused glimpse into what lies ahead in 2020. Joining me now to help preview the MLS season from 680 News, it's Michael Leach. Michael, looking forward to chatting with you on this, the eve of yet another MLS season. Thanks very much for having me, Mitchell. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to believe that uh, it's back. It's uh, it seems like just yesterday we were uh, we were getting ready for MLS Cup final in Seattle. Yeah, it does. And uh, you know, when you when you look outside your window, as as I'm sure most uh, most Canadian soccer fans who maybe aren't out on the West Coast are doing, uh, it doesn't really feel like soccer season right now. But uh, it certainly is, and Toronto FC will. We'll start their year in, in warmer climates, so for, for them at least, uh, uh, they won't have to feel the, the wrath of the North American cold just yet. But we'll, we'll start with Toronto FC on this show, as, as we often do, um, and preview what, what should be a very interesting season for Toronto. Again, um, kind of an uneven year last year, ended in, in pretty good fashion, of course, with them making that kind of unexpected run to the MLS Cup Final. But in doing so, I think they brought a lot of new questions on themselves um you know about the club's identity and and where they go from here um i I guess just before we get started on previewing too much for toronto fc what what for you are kind of the expectations for the reds this season Uh, again after a year where they did get to the mls cup final uh, but by and large you know i don't think the season went as they would have hoped last year well no last year was very much a tale of two seasons wasn't it and uh you know they 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 got hot at the right time and were able to get themselves into, into MLS cup final. Um, certainly they weren't the best team in the Eastern conference throughout the entire of 2019, but they were when it mattered uh, really my expectation for them. Listen, this is a, a group that, uh, you know, Greg's Greg Vanny's using the word continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, basically not, a, not a lot of turnover within the group. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Toronto boy, Ashton Morgan has, uh, has moved on as well as Drew Moore and Nicholas Benize, both of them going to to Colorado. But really not any major departures for this team. Uh, And, of course, you you were able to to, uh, convince Michael Bradley to take the pay cut, move off of the DP contract, and and take a TAM deal. Of course, we know he's not going to be around in the early portion of the 2020 season. So I think... Uh, that has to temper expectations because I think there are a lot of question marks as to what this team is going to look like, how they will perform in the absence of Bradley. Uh, and of course the, the signing of Pablo Piatti to take the, the DP spot. And, uh, there's a guy there, you know, with a number of fitness concerns, fitness questions going into this season. There was, uh, you know, certainly, a, a, a lot of concern when he was signed and now that he's gone through the entire preseason without playing a single preseason game, will not be available to the team uh, on Saturday in San Jose. And from what we're hearing, probably won't be available for a couple of weeks uh, into the season. You know, fitness is obviously the major concern. As far as expectations, if everything goes right, 
they can certainly get back to MLS Cup, possibly even win it, because in the Eastern Conference, as far as I'm concerned, they're right there with Atlanta, who have some um, lineup you know, questions of their own, mm-hmm. having made some changes this, this offseason, and of course, New York City FC as well. Yeah, you mentioned that continuity, and for me, I think that's that's an important point going into the season. Evidently, you would have liked to have a little more continuity in the sense that, you know, Bradley being on the field and, of course, having Piatti ready to go from the start, but uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But in that sense, you know, you remember, you look back to last year, that game against Independiente in the Champions League, and you've got guys like Griffin Dorsey, you've got Schaffelberg out there, you've got Terrence Boyd. I mean, that was such a makeshift roster, and it kind of carried through the first part of the season where, they didn't really have an identity and they didn't really seem to uh, gel well together. And of course, this, as you said, tale of two seasons, that second half, they were able to string together 13 games once they got all the players together and started to, you know, be able to train together week in, week out. So I think in that sense, they're they're at least starting the season a little bit better than they were uh, last year. Um, in terms of expectations for me, I know you mentioned that this team, if everything goes right, could get to the MLS Cup final. And I agree. I think, um, you know, they should be considered a the top teams in the Eastern Conference at the moment but for, for me a big one has to be the Voyagers Cup I think that's something that Toronto FC let slip last year again because of that uneven season and because towards the end of last year they had to push um, for the playoffs and, and make sure they got into that playoff spot first and foremost um, but uh, I, th- I think this year with uh, of course two other Canadian teams that we'll get to in a second that are you know, I think very much in the rebuilding stages, I think Toronto FC, and we know it's a club mandate to to get to the CONCACAF Champions League. I think it's critical that they win this year's Voyagers Cup. Yeah, yeah but, you know, I, I'll say this, and, and Greg Vanny will say that they always want to be in CONCACAF Champions League. But he did say with a bit of a glint in his eye that not being in it this year was not such a bad thing for this team. It allowed them to sort of... I don't want to say ease their way into preseason and into training camp a little bit more, but they didn't have to hit the ground running at at 100 miles an hour. We've seen with Montreal, they've already got a few fitness concerns, a couple of injuries, uh, Camacho, and, uh, you know, they picked up a couple of other injuries in the Saprissa series. You know, having to start your season in those kind of knockout round scenarios that sort of playoff intensity that's really really hard it takes its toll on the MLS teams I think Toronto FC will benefit a lot from not having to have you know having to have dealt with that this year but again they do have the CONCACAF Champions League trophy case (laughs) sitting there empty at the BMO training ground I'm sure they'd like to put something there at some point yeah, I just imagine Michael Bradley eating lunch there, just looking at that every uh, <laughs> every day and using that as motivation. But uh, speaking of Bradley, then, close, and, then closing his eyes yeah. and remembering that, you know, visualizing <laughs> that penalty kick going into lower Earth orbit. Yeesh, yeah, uh, no kidding. Um, but you you also mentioned injury concerns, and certainly that's something that Toronto FC have as well. Um, all three designated players have at least picked up slight knocks with Josie Altador having uh, hip problems. Um, Pablo Piatti, of course, you mentioned, might not be available for the first couple of weeks. We know Michael Bradley uh, won't be available for a bit here. And uh, that, that kind of leads us into what's probably going to be a major discussion this season, which, of course, is the health of Toronto FC's designated players and um, how 
many games they're able to get with all three of them on the field. Of course, uh, Michael Bradley not being a designated player at, at this point. Um, so Pablo Piatti could become one. But, um, you know, the, the concern here, of course, is is that they have these quality players but you know if you can't get them on the field then they're not going to have any major impact and we've already heard plenty of talk of load management especially with uh, Josie Altidore and Pablo Piatti considering their um, you know their former injuries here and I think Toronto FC is a little bit lucky that we have the recent experience of Kawhi Leonard and and, and you know what the load management there was able to bring but uh, how do you think Toronto FC fans might handle the fact that um, you know obviously it's not a foregone conclusion but there's a good chance that plenty of the games this season we don't have all three designated players on the field for Toronto and um, I think certainly more so the case when they play away and potentially on turf especially with Piatti. I suspect they're not going to take it well Um, (laughs) and and that's based on uh, historically I remember Fans being less than thrilled about losing uh, back midsummer 2019 mm-hmm. to the Houston Dynamo at home. I think they lost 3-1 in a game that Vanny rested players. They were in a heavy run of games at the time. Uh, you know, th- they had the win at Montreal in there. They also beat Red Bulls at home. And Vanny chose the Houston game because it was a Western Conference opponent, even though it was a home game, to use squad rotation, which is, I I think, the soccer equivalent of load management. Um, And fans were furious about losing the game at home. And listen, I'm not, I argued with people for like a week on Twitter about that, and I understand where they're coming from. When you're shelling out the money to go to the game, you want to see the best players on the field. But for Vanny, it's the end game. You're, Mm -hmm. You're looking at, the playoffs you're looking at and let's face facts this is a team that if if Toronto FC doesn't make the playoffs this year it's a catastrophe and Vanny's probably out um because they are more than good enough to make the MLS Cup playoffs probably a contender for MLS Cup final uh in order to do that and with the number of competitions that they're going to have to deal with this summer with the Canadian Championship as well as the league's cup Load management is going to be a thing. Squad rotation is going to be a thing. It has to be a thing in order for Vanny to keep his club, his roster as fresh as he can throughout the course of what is a very, very long season. It worked for the Raptors. Let's see what happens with TFC. Yeah, I think it's always going to be a tough sell and and certainly a North American sporting market where, you know, a lot of the sports here, um, you know, have shifts and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, if you go to a Leafs game, you expect to see, you know, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, all those guys, Tavares, all out there playing. So, you know, if, if you're going to a Toronto FC game, you expect to see, you know, the headliners as well. You can manage minutes within a game. Like, I mean, if the Raptors do what they did like last week to the Indiana Pacers where they were up by like 50 points. You can take your starting players, all of them off the floor Mm -hmm. for the entire fourth quarter. And they only play, you know, 30 to 35 minutes, obviously with, with soccer and the three substitutions, you don't have that option. So it's going to be critical for Vanny to, to manage the roster through what is going to be a very, very long season for the team. 
Well, talking about roster management, I think for me going into this season, one of the most interesting, um, you know, aspects of this team and one of the the positions that I'm looking at um, that I think could be very key for the roster this season is the midfield. Uh, we know Vanny really wants to play in at least something very close to a four three three, you know, a winger heavy roster um, that that he's talked about for years. But that middle of the park presents an interesting challenge because, you know, he's modeled his team after Manchester City, uh, who ideally play with two eights and a six. And I don't know if he necessarily has that among the midfielders he has. And at least if he does, it's not probably his preferred midfielders. I know Pozuelo has been pretty clear that he wants to play as a number 10. Um, so it, it just gets interesting when you have Pozuelo, you've got Osorio in there, you have Delgado. Uh, of course, it, it becomes a little easier off the start because you don't have to uh, worry about Michael Bradley when you have Liam Frazier there as well. But uh, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what he decides to do and how he decides to uh, play what will likely be three midfielders there or if he switches one of them wide as well as we saw him do at times last year. Um, what are your thoughts on that going into this season? Well, I mean, he's got a he's got a good problem in the fact that they they do have a lot of depth in midfield and they have versatility there as well. I mean, you mentioned four three three, and that was the big buzz with Greg Vanny last year, and it was the formation of choice throughout the playoffs, which for the most part they were relatively successful in that formation. Um, of course, you know the MLS Cup final didn't work out for them, but uh, you know the thing with this roster is there's there's versatility there as well. He does have the option of, of having five in midfield uh, in various looks mm-hmm. and having Josie as a, as the lone, uh, the lone striker. Um, but I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned from Vanny's standpoint, versatility is a big thing. And particularly in MLS, he said it many times formations change within the game. And they can change many times, and it can change based on the opponent, based on what the 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 game itself is dictating. So I I would look for a little bit more fluidity, and the tools that he has in midfield certainly offers him that versatility. Um, in terms of players this year who you think could potentially have breakout seasons for Toronto FC, um, who are you looking at? Because, you know, there's a number of young guys evidently who signed over the summer, um, including draft picks as well. And, and uh, like we've mentioned on a couple of occasions, the, the injuries, they kind of open the door for other players to potentially step in and, 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 you know, make an account of themselves early on in the season. I know that Achara has, um, and there's no way I'll ever be able to pronounce his first name. <laughs> But I know that he has acquitted himself uh, rather nicely throughout the preseason, uh, in the preseason games. But I would caution there that those are preseason games. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't read too much into that. The young guys that were signed, the Jaden Nelsons and and, and the like, I I still think they're more TFC2 guys at this point uh, with the potential for call-ups, certainly if, if injuries become an issue. Um, but I don't see a ton of first team minutes for any of those guys right now. For me, looking at you know the potential breakout players this year, obviously Liam Fraser has a massive opportunity sitting right at his feet right now mm-hmm. to emerge in the absence of Michael Bradley. 
I would also look at a guy like Richie Larea, who was like a super sub sort of player throughout the playoffs. And we saw what he was capable of doing. His pace is absolutely killer. I'm curious to see whether he can make the jump now into more of a starting role with the team or whether he will continue to be kind of that that guy that comes in and provides energy for the team off the bench. But I would be looking for him to potentially have a breakout season as well. And of course, as as mentioned, Liam Fraser, the time is now for you, young man. This is your this is your opportunity to show Greg Vanny and TFC management and the fans, your teammates, everyone that you're up to the task uh, of filling Michael Bradley's shoes because those are massive shoes to fill. Yeah, they certainly are. And I think, uh, you know, there, there was even talk last year when um, when Fraser was putting together his string of good games. And certainly uh, went during that game that Canada beat the United States and Fraser matched up pretty much directly against Bradley and was able to get the better of him. There was there was some talk about, uh, you know, what the future could hold there and Frazier replacing Bradley, but, you know, you have to be able to show it week in, week out, and that's one of the things Michael Bradley does is he's one of the most consistent players in the league. So um, that's the that's the level that Frazier's got to to live up to right now. Um, another player, and I think this is probably one of the players Toronto FC are hoping is going to break out this season, is Erickson Gallardo, um, someone who obviously they signed midway through last year, but in some ways could almost be a new signing um, in the sense that he really didn't get an opportunity um, to, to get integrated into the side last year. So if you get him fresh coming into the season, and again, it's preseason, but apparently has shown pretty well so far, um, that, that, you know, that could be a really solid addition for Toronto FC in a position that's obviously going to be pretty critical this year. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, for Gallardo, uh, not only did he, when he came here, not only did he have to adjust to a, a new league, uh, he also was dealing with a new country, new culture, uh, not speaking the language. Um, he also had a child in there. So uh, I think there were, there were a few, the fact that basically we'll put it this way, the fact that he's had, an entire off season uh, and now training camp to acclimate with, with the team and what Vanny's looking for and what his role will be within the team, I think will go a long way. It'll be in, yeah, I, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see uh, what his role is with TFC and what he can provide to the team. Before we move on from Toronto FC, um, you, you mentioned the fact that there is a good opportunity that Toronto FC could get it to an MLS Cup final again. They have all the experience. Um, they have the the team on paper. Uh, but what are the biggest keys for Toronto FC this year if they want to get back to that biggest game of the year? Got to stay fit. That's the biggest thing. This is not a young group. Mm-hmm. This is a veteran-laden group. So fitness, and we talked about the load management, squad rotation, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be absolutely paramount for for Vanny and for the medical staff, which has been much maligned over the course of this offseason for other reasons, um, to properly manage players through the season so that they can be at their best when it matters most. So that you know, fitness is obviously everything. Piatti, you know, he's he's got to get fit, uh, and staying fit is, is a big deal. There's a guy coming off of a, a knee surgery a year ago. There were a lot of concerns when he was signed. You know, certainly the one year plus an, uh, you know, club option mitigates some of the risk, but 
if he can't stay fit, this is going to be a disaster, um, at least for this season. Yeah. Not only does Piatti have to stay fit, Josie is critical. They need Josie to stay fit, and he's not shown over the last couple of years, for whatever reason, that he can actually maintain a, or, or you know go through a full season without any sort of major injury. I think it's you know, and this is a this is a big season for him. He needs to stay fit, and and you know, obviously the production has to be there because without that, TFC will struggle. If they have a lot of goal scoring. And if he's able to stay on the field, you know, the sky's the limit for this team. Let's move on now to, to talking about the Montreal Impact, who um, certainly in a different set of circumstances, year one of, of uh, I guess, a mini rebuild under Thierry Henry. Uh, but things are certainly off to a positive start, I think. Um, you know, Henry coming in with, um, you know, certainly from, from his playing days, uh, a very good reputation. Uh, but of course, after a pretty awful stint at Monaco, um, as a manager, this is very much a, a you know, I, I don't think I think people are over, you know, overstating the last chance uh, thing for him, because I think a name like Thierry Henry, there's always going to be an opportunity to, to find another job. But I think this is really uh, an important job for Thierry Henry if he wants to get back um, into certainly the good graces of of. European soccer um, in terms of a managerial reputation if he can really build a good program here in Montreal and um, as I said so far so good I've, I've been impressed with what he's been able to do with the team's defensive identity so far um, early on as, as they start off the CONCACAF Champions League um, you know what have you seen from Henri so far and and you know how, how how big do you think this job is for him considering what we've seen so far in his managerial career? If you're an Impact fan, I think you have to be pleasantly surprised with what you've seen to this point. I, I, I think it's, you know, obviously it's very, very early days, um, but it's a pretty solid start. Um, I didn't, ex- I personally didn't expect the Impact to get through Saprissa, and they did. Um, they really put on a masterclass to me as to how to manage and kind of survive through what was a really tough two-legged series. That away leg in down in San Jose... That that has been a you know a real bogey place to play for a lot of MLS teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Montreal came out there, great energy. They looked unafraid in the early portion of that game. Got the two goals. I do though think that fatigue took its toll in the second half. They did give themselves, even though they gave away the two late goals um, to Saprissa in that first leg. They by getting the two-all draw, the two away goals, they gave themselves the chance to dictate the game back at the Big O, and that's exactly what they did. They ground out that game. That was not an inspiring match to watch by any stretch of the imagination. But the thing is for Henri, and you mentioned it, it's not necessarily last chance you for Henri, but it's this is a this is a you know, the, the football world, particularly over in Europe is keeping an eye on what this Henri to the Montreal Impact experiment is going to look like. And so far, so good. He gets paid to get results. He got that for me. Getting through Saprissa to the last eight, it's a huge, huge springboard into the MLS regular season for the Impact uh, because there were so many questions surrounding that team. They looked through those two games 
like a team that can be competitive in this league. Yeah, with that being said, and I, and I do agree that certainly performances like that are conducive to picking up points, I think, in the MLS regular season and being difficult to beat on the road is is you know, can can be a massive difference maker in an, in a league like MLS where, um, you know, t- teams who are even close to 500 on the road are, are some of the best away teams in MLS. So um, with that being said, that's a, that's a good start. But, you know, you look at this roster and uh, considering what we've seen the CONCACAF Champions League due to even some of the best teams in, in MLS history when you go back to Toronto FC and even, you know, an Atlanta United last year who really struggled off the start of the year. Not Maybe not just for CONCACAF Champions League reasons, but certainly didn't help. Um, you know, I just wonder if this team has enough to balance both the CONCACAF Champions League and the start of the MLS season with, uh, again, a roster that uh, certainly isn't incredibly deep. No, and they probably don't have enough to you know, juggle both CCL, certainly if it gets to to be a deep run in the CCL and the MLS schedule, the, the, the mindsets. I mean, we saw it in 2018 with TFC, what CCL did to that team and what mm-hmm. it did to the mentality alone of going through CCL. And I know for TFC, it was such a huge focal point of their season. It was almost like the the crowning moment of the 2017 season was not winning MLS cup. It would have been winning the, the, the CCL. And when it didn't happen, their season kind of folded up in 2018 after that. And there were just, there were too many injuries and you saw it with Montreal already. They've picked up a couple of knocks, Ritala and, and Camacho both going down. It's great for, uh, for the cavalry, the former cavalry defender, Joel Waterman. He's gotten into a couple of games there and really not looked out of place Had a few nervous moments, maybe in, in, in the second leg, but I think injuries and fatigue, the travel, the different weather, the different playing surfaces, this is all new to a lot of, uh, a lot of the players in that impact locker room, uh, you know, I, I as much as I do think it is a springboard getting past Saprissa into the into the MLS season. Now you have to go down and play Olympia in in the quarterfinal after they shocked Seattle, so that's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, this is this is a lot for that team to manage, and it's you know you've got a essentially a rookie MLS manager in in Thierry Henry. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how both he and the team sort of navigate through this early portion of the season because I don't think they're in a position where they can throw away points early in the season. If they get behind the eight ball, they won't be able to get back into the into you know into the playoff race. Yeah, I certainly agree. Uh, I, I think I saw something where they had the ninth best odds to win MLS Cup this year, and uh, I'm not sure about that. I think that's a Thierry no, Henry. That's too high. Yeah, that's a Thierry Henry bump for me. Um, I think because uh, uh, you know from, from what I've seen from this side so far, and certainly I guess we'll go through some of the ins and outs. Uh, you know, Piatti leaving, Daniel Lovitz, Victor Cabrera, uh, Vargas, and Sanya. Uh, at least four of those guys were pretty important to what they did last year. Evidently, they've added Blue Tabla, uh, Zachary Brogiard on uh, full time. They were both on loan with them last year. Romel Kyoto, Waterman, as you mentioned from Cavalry, um, Stephen Saba, and Emmanuel Maciel joining the club as well. Um, you know, I I don't know that there's enough coming in at this point. Listen, to sorry, go ahead. 
Piatti alone. Yeah. Uh, I saw a, a, a stat, and I don't have the stat in front of me, but basically the impact with him in the lineup were a well above 500 team. They were one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference over his time in MLS. Mm-hmm. Without Piatti in the lineup, they were one of the worst. So just dealing with the absence of Piatti alone, forget the other guys that you've mentioned, is going to be really, really tricky for this team. Yeah, definitely. You know, again, Piatti's probably one of the best attackers this league's ever seen. And I think um, reasonably underrated because he played for a Montreal team that, you know, didn't necessarily like you said, you know, without him, they weren't necessarily a, a very good side during most of his tenure and, and really up and down results, uh, especially recently. But um, yeah, that's going to be a massive player. But, you know, from everything, from the club culture to, to everything, he was such a massive part of what they did there. So uh, moving on from him is is going to be pretty big. And, and that's why someone like Thierry Henry, I think, is pretty big, uh, you know, to, to at least have a name there that, that they can build around um, going forward forward uh going into this season you know what what is a successful year for the montreal impact they've already had a bit of success in in the concacaf champions league but i think um you know for for me it's it's got to be finding some kind of identity that maybe they weren't able to in in recent seasons i really think and, and i don't know whether they make it but i really think the playoffs is kind of the success fail line for them and even mm-hmm. if they just squeak in in the last spot and then you know get beaten out in the knockout round I think to me, getting to the playoffs would be a huge, huge step forward. You're right. Finding an identity, particularly with, with Piatti gone and and now with Henri at the helm as the manager, is going to be uh, you know, of critical importance to that team. But I think in terms of you know, placating that fan base that has you know, they haven't made the playoffs. I, I don't think, I think the last playoff game they played was at BMO Field, if I'm not mistaken, in that 2016 Eastern Conference final. I can't remember exactly wow. whether they made it. I think, I think you might in. be right, yeah. Yeah. Um, they really, it's it's kind of time for the, the fans there are going to be looking for certainly steps forward from from last year where they were they were kind of close and they were, they had a great start to the season and ended up kind of folding down the stretch, I, I really think for them it's playoffs or bust, particularly with Henri coming in and, you know, we know his name and his pedigree and what he's done. But in terms of managerial success, he really hasn't had a whole lot. Uh, this is kind of a, it's not a make or break year, but I think the playoffs, making the playoffs would be really, really important. And certainly for that team and their position within the Montreal market. That is correct, by the way. The Impact have not qualified for the playoffs since, of course, their conference final appearance in in, uh, 2016. So um, quite a while uh, that they've been since they've tasted playoffs. So uh, like you said, I think that's going to be pretty critical that sooner rather than later they get back there. And, you know, at least a taste of the playoffs again will be pretty important for Montreal fans. Um, Speaking of a team certainly looking to get back into the playoffs, uh, we'll head out to the West Coast now where the Vancouver Whitecaps have had a pretty busy offseason as well. For them, uh, a lot of their biggest acquisitions, I think, have come off the field, um, adding Axel Schuster as a sporting director, 
big Bundesliga experience, including time at Mainz and Schalke. They also added Mark Panis um, as the CEO, who was formerly an executive of AS Roma, as well as the New York Knicks. So uh, a lot of off or, uh, off-field experience, I think, that, that will definitely benefit that front office. And, um, you know, at, at a level of stability that maybe we haven't seen in recent years. Um, but on the fields, uh, some big moves as well. Of course, a club record signing in Lucas Cavallini that um, I think you and I discussed the last time uh, we talked about on the show coming from Puebla. Uh, Canadian Ryan Raposo joining them in the entry draft, as well as Chilean Canadian Christian Gutierrez, Christian Dijome, uh, Leonard Ousu, Eric Godoy, uh, and a couple of loan signings as well, and, and some homegrown. So a uh, busy offseason for Vancouver as well. Um, what do they have to do this year, do you think, to, to take a big step forward? Because we saw little glimpses last year, but you know, certainly wasn't enough to, to get anywhere close to, I think, what expectations should be um, out in Vancouver. Well, they need, they need to find some sort of continuity, some chemistry, because you mentioned the number of the number of guys who are uh, now in the Vancouver camp who weren't there last season is pretty staggering. And, you know, it makes sense when you have a season in which you struggled as much as they did last year. Uh, Changes needed to be made. They need to score more goals. And obviously that's where they're looking to Lucas Cavallini. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see what Dejome, uh, brings Dejome. I don't, I don't even know how to properly pronounce his name, but I, you know, I I think that, uh, there could be a partnership there, you know, Montero as well on the other side. I mean, Montero is really kind of their big bit of, you know, stability that, that, you know, has kind of come back from, Mm -hmm. from last year and, and in previous years, it's listen, for the Whitecaps to take a step forward this season, score more goals. They weren't they weren't great defending last year. They gave up a bunch of goals, but I think they only averaged slightly over a goal a game last year. That to me, if they can score some more goals, be in a few more games, um I think that's a step forward as far as the playoffs in the Western Conference to me that's a bridge too far for them. Yeah, it's, you know, certainly looking at the, um, at all the teams for an MLS preview, the Western Conference is, is far and away the stronger conference. You know, um, not a lot of great teams out in the East, but like you said, it's going to be very difficult for the, the Whitecaps to make the playoffs. But, um, in terms of coaches on the hot seat, you know, Mark Santos came in last year with a lot of, uh, a lot of fanfare a Canadian coach one who um, has has a really good pedigree has done some really great things obviously LAFC was most recently in the mind and, and what he was able to do there in their uh, inaugural season um, you know what do you make of of what the expectations should be for him this year because uh, like we said last year you know there were there were signs of of some good things from the Whitecaps but overall it was it was a pretty disheartening season um, how does he build on that in year two and and make the white caps into um you know a, a, certainly a more difficult team to play against and and a more dangerous team as well well i again they've, they've got to find some goal scoring that's that's mm-hmm. key um you know he, he really hasn't had the tools to work with in order to be successful there and if they struggle early days, again, you mentioned the number of changes, not not on the field, but in the front office. 
And the way these things tend to go is when a new front office comes in, they want their guy Mm -hmm. to be managing the club. So if things don't go well for Mark DeSantos in the early portion of the season, uh, change could be in the air and he he might be out, which I, I think would be unfortunate because I don't think he deserves that. But this is a results-oriented business. And, you know, we talk about the fans in Montreal becoming itchy for you know, success leading into playoffs and getting into the postseason. The same is very much true for the for the Caps. The fans out there, certainly after, you know, if they have another season like they did last year, there were a lot of empty seats in, in BC Place at points last year. Mm-hmm. And um, if they continue to trend the way that they have been and don't show any real signs of improvement, changes will obviously be made. And you know, the fan base is becoming restless. Uh, people don't aren't willing to sit through, a, a, you know, a five, six-year rebuild. So they've, they've got to start getting some things right on the field this year or else it could be lights out for Mark DeSantos in, in Vancouver. Yeah, the good news on the goal-scoring front is that Cavallini does have four goals in four preseason games. Uh, again, it is preseason, but uh, at the very least, that's a good start. But, you know, you have to get him the ball, and you have to get secondary scoring as well. It can't just be Cavallini um, scoring up there. And, and you know, they, they haven't necessarily shown that they have the secondary scoring in the past. So going to be an interesting year for the Whitecaps. I think uh, Man, one that could go so many ways. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. I don't read it. <laughs> anything into preseason <laughs> that that is fair enough and uh yeah <laughs> yeah certainly uh certainly a lot of questions to be asked about the white caps and and you know i think of i think of all the canadian teams that might be the most fascinating going into this year because they have some pieces there where they could be a, a really good side but uh, again is it is it enough and and i think We'll find that out quite quickly. Um, looking at the rest of MLS now, just quickly, um, a, a lot of signings this offseason, a lot of big names coming in. Um, who for you is was maybe the most impactful signing that you think could could really take the league by storm this season? Uh, I'm looking at Rodolfo Pizarro uh, mm-hmm. to enter Miami. I think, you know, he's if you've if you've watched certainly CCL and if you've watched any Liga Mac he's one of the 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 arguably one of the best playmakers was one of the best playmakers in Liga MX with Monterey I think he has the opportunity to go to Miami and make a, a huge impact right away he has the potential to take that team and take them from a sort of run-of-the-mill expansion team that struggles and kind of blunders its way through its first season. Mm -hmm. And he has the potential. Obviously, it's going to depend on what's around him as well. But they've got some nice pieces there. I'm I'm a huge fan of Lee Wynn. They've got, you know, they've got the chance to go from that sort of Minnesota United struggled in their first few seasons, eventually making the playoffs last year, or they could be like, you know, contending for a playoff spot, maybe even getting in, in the Eastern conference. You mentioned the West is far stronger than the East. So there is an opportunity there for inter Miami 
to maybe make some hay of the two expansion teams coming in, them and Nashville. I like what Inter Miami has done a lot more than what I've seen from Nashville. So uh, for me, Pizarro is the player that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good pick. You know, I, th- I think there was a number of, of names linked to Inter Miami and, and you know, a lot of fanfare about who they could potentially sign. But uh, this is a guy that maybe, you know, doesn't necessarily bring the same name recognition of, as, as a David Silva and a Cavani and, you know, maybe not necessarily on that level overall, but is at an age and, and at a caliber where he could really be one of the, the great players in MLS. So uh, very excited to see what Miami does this year. And as you mentioned, they, there is a lot of young talent around him. Um, you know, a lot of those guys that are really hungry to make a name for themselves and, and have, you know, some, some really solid clubs that have been either linked for them, or I know one of the players is on loan at Juventus for a while. So uh, there's, there's a lot of good coming out of Miami, I think, to start this year. And and will be fascinating to see what they're able to do um, in, in terms of clubs taking a step forward. Um, who do you think is, is a club that, um, you know, is is improved heading into the season and, and could make a, you know, take a step up the standings? Uh, TFC fans, Trillium Cup fans won't won't like this. Uh, the Columbus crew. I think the 20, 2019 Columbus crew was very similar to 2018 TFC uh, in the respect that they had some critical injuries at critical times and were not able to make the playoffs after having a couple of years where they, they looked to be building into a contender. They've got those players back. If those players can remain fit, Columbus could be a team to deal with this year. The other team I would look at out West would be the LA Galaxy. And obviously the mm-hmm. Chicharito signing is is obviously their big one, but I'm I'm a big fan of Alexander Katai. Uh I also think that there's maybe a bit of a addition by subtraction with the Galaxy and it's going to sound a little strange because he was so over overlooming in the offensive output for LA Galaxy and that being Zlatan and he's obviously now gone back to Europe. I think getting out from under the Z shadow will be a good thing for the Galaxy. I, I think that team has a greater opportunity to come together as a more complete group. And listen, they're in, they're in a tough market and they're in a market where unlike most other MLS teams outside of New York, they are competing with a team down the street. And that team down the street, LAFC, is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, for the Galaxy to remain relevant in that market, obviously signing Chicharito with the the whole Mexican element there, the Latino uh, community in, in Los Angeles is a huge, huge thing. But they have to get results on the field. And, you know, El Trafico, man, the El Trafico matches <laughs> over the past couple of years since LAFC came into the league have been some of the best, most entertaining, most drama-filled matches that we've seen in MLS over the past several years. So I'm looking forward to more great clashes between those two teams. And I believe both LAFC and the Galaxy will be towards the top end of the Western Conference this year. 
I uh, think you're bang on on the LA Galaxy. I mean, uh, have we seen a more dangerous front three than Chicharito, Pavon, and Katai in MLS? I'm, no. I'm not sure. I think I think Chicharito's going to, um, you know, just be an excellent fit there. And there's still questions. I think defensively for the club, I think that was one of the big, uh, probably their biggest issue last year was how vulnerable they were defensively. But like you said, um, you know, I think Zlatan was really an overbearing presence there. And I think there was times where he probably made his teammates a little uncomfortable. Chicharito's not going to be that same player and i don't think you know i could i could very easily see chicharito matching zlatan's goal scoring prowess so um this is a side that yeah i think has to be considered up there with with the top teams in the league heading into the season and as you said as always those el traficos are just going to be awesome this year and i think it makes it even better that um we've now got two of the you know the leading stars in in on the mexican national team um competing against one another that's that just adds an an extra layer to this that um i think is going to be so great um you know we talked about the two la teams as as kind of the elite teams going to this year uh who for you are is the best team going to this year i'm not going to make you (laughs) make an mls cup prediction because the playoffs are are a different animal but you know over the course of the regular season who for you is kind of the the class of the league heading into this year oh i'll make an mls cup prediction right now all right oh yeah yeah uh la lafc have unfinished business this year Hey, you look mm-hmm. at that team with obviously Carlos Vela, who who you've mentioned, you know, kind of a stalwart of the Mexican national team. Rossi, uh, Atuesta, that team is really stacked. And they probably, I'm not going to say they should have won MLS Cup last year because they didn't get it done in the Western Conference Final, but I think that's going to stick with them in kind of the same way that the 2016 MLS Cup final stuck with TFC. I think there are going to be a lot of guys who were part of that that group and of, of course the TFC um a, a TFC uh, connection to LAFC in in uh Stephen Betashore is no longer with them. But I think that that LAFC team, I think they've had to sit over the long winter and think about what could have been, what maybe should have been for them. That team right now, I would say, and obviously there's it's a long season, injuries become a factor, different things become a factor. But right now, my odds on favorite to win MLS Cup 2020 would be Los Angeles FC. Well, I think they, they kind of gave you a pretty good... Uh, pretty good reference last night with the result oh, against sure. Leon. That was uh that's a performance that I don't think any other MLS team could come up with. That was incredible. I mean, they were full value for that 3 nothing win. They could have had plenty more. So, um th- yeah, just a side that I think can hit another level um that I don't think any other club in MLS can do at the moment. So, uh, I'm right with the right there with you with LAFC. You know, it's you always want almost a a new side to emerge as the favorites, but um you know I think when you speak about continuity, um, all the important pieces, maybe other than Walker Zimmerman, but even then that just gives them more space for me to, to go out and and maybe add to this roster as well. So I'm really excited to to watch LAFC again this year and, and certainly excited to, to watch the league as a whole. I think this is going to be a fascinating season. Um, You know, the two new expansion sides, uh, one of whom I I think is expected to make noise. I I think we all know which of the two, Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to it. Um, yeah, and, so thanks. And, and Sorry, go we ahead. say all of this now, 
We sail, we extol the virtues of Inter Miami coming in because that's the expansion team you're talking about. Mm-hmm. We extol the virtues of LAFC, but in the end, in the middle of November, MLS Cup final, it's going to be mm-hmm. Toronto Seattle again. This time in Seattle, <laughs> and Toronto will win. Yeah, I, again, I would not be surprised at all. As I, as I mentioned, that's why I'm always loath to make MLS Cup predictions. Is uh, I, you almost want to see what's going on towards the it, end of the MLS it, season it's because such it's all a long form-based. season. It's such a long season. So many things can happen. There's mm-hmm. a summer transfer window to deal with as well. We've got uh, you know we've 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 got uh, you know different competitions the open cup in the states and canadian championship here leagues cup for for uh you know tfc and a few of the other mls teams to sort of navigate their way through ccl i mean lafc right that performance last night they could do it i mean it, they've got a long way to go but they could do it they could be the team the mls team to get over the hump here I mean, there's there's such a dynamic side, but uh, yeah, there's so you know we're talking eight nine months away. So much can happen in that time. Yeah, you almost feel like you want to mix in like multiple preview shows over the course of the season just to preview yeah, the re- different re- segments revisit. of the season. Let's keep the tape of this, and we'll revisit mm-hmm. these things at the end of the season. Yeah, I like it. Uh, we will certainly will do that. Um, but yeah, for now, thank you so much for for joining me this week, Mike. Oh, thanks very much for having me. Anytime. And just one more sleep until the Major League Soccer season is back. I hope you all enjoy opening weekend. And thank you, as always, for listening to the show. 